We have been journeying through the book of Ezekiel, starting first from Genesis all the way to Ezekiel. And today we anticipate finishing our reading of Ezekiel. For those of you who've been journeying with us, one of the things that I'm praying for as you've journeyed with us is that you're beginning to see the Bible in a whole different way, that you're beginning to see the Bible within the context of the totality of the scripture, seeing how 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 the scripture was curated in this way to really paint a picture, to tell a story. Um, and I hope that what you get in your reading of this is a revelation of who God is. I hope that what you're getting from this is that you're able now to see some of your the famous popular verses in your scripture to see within the context of the grander picture, the grander narrative. I hope that you're being exposed to the totality of the text in a way that just transforms your mind and that melts your heart towards God. When we spend time in the reading of the word, we're asking three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? God, what are you revealing concerning me? That's what we want to commit our time to today. We want to commit our time to just reading his word. So if you guys can, go ahead and turn your Bibles to Ezekiel 45. We're going to finish Ezekiel today, so I'm excited about that. As I pray, I want you to prayerfully consider those questions as we engage in your word. Father, I thank you. Lord, as we spend time in this word, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord, Encourage us as we even start this new week, Father. I pray that you would bless this time, Lord, as we uh, read your word, Father. Let us see you. Let us uh, hear your heart. Let us see your mind. Let us begin to see the plan that you have. And Father, convict us, correct us, exhort us, encourage us. Father, we ask for it all, Lord, in our time today in this reading. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 45 says this, Moreover, when you divide the land by lot into inheritance, you shall set apart a district for the Lord, a holy section of the land. Its length shall be 25,000 cubits and width 10,000. It shall be holy throughout its territory all around. Of this, there shall be a square plot for the sanctuary. 500 by 500 rods, 50 cubits around it for an open space. This is the district you shall measure. 25,000 cubits long, 10,000 wide, and it shall be the sanctuary, the most holy place. It shall be a holy section of the land belonging to the priests, the ministers of the sanctuary who come near to the minister of the Lord. It shall be a place for their houses and a holy place for the sanctuary. An area 25,000 cubits long and 10,000 cubits wide shall belong to the Levites, the ministers of the temple. They shall have 20 chambers as a possession. You shall appoint as the property of the city an area 5,000 cubits wide and 25,000 long adjacent to the district of the holy section. It should belong to the whole house of Israel. The prince shall have a section on one side and on the other district and the city's property and bordering on the holy district and the city's property, extending westward on the west side and eastward on the east side. The link shall be side by side with one of the tribal portions from the west border to the east border. The land shall be his possession in Israel. And my princes shall no more possess my people, but they shall give the rest of the land to the house of Israel according to their tribes. Thus says the Lord God, enough, O princes of Israel, remove violence and plundering, execute justice and righteousness, and stop dispossessing my people, says the Lord God. You shall have honest scales, an honest ephah, an honest bath. The ephah and the bath shall be of the same measure, so that the bath contains one-tenth of a homer and the ephah one-tenth of a homer. Their measure shall be according to the homer. The shekel shall be 20, shall be 20 geras, 20 shekels and 25 she- uh, shekels and 15 shekels shall be your mina. This is the offering which you shall offer. You shall give one-sixth, sorry, one-sixth of an ephah from a homer of wheat 
and one-sixth of an effort from a homer of barley. The ordinance concerning the concerning oil, the bath of oil, is one-tenth of a bath from a core. The core is a homer or ten baths, for ten baths are a homer, and one lamb shall be given from the flock of two hundred. From the rich pastures of Israel, these shall be the grain offerings, burnt offerings, and peace offerings to make atonement for them, says the Lord God. All the people of the land shall give this offering for the prince of Israel. Then it shall be the prince's part to give burnt offerings, grain offerings, and drink offerings at the feasts, new moons, Sabbaths, and at all the appointed seasons of the house of Israel. And he shall prepare a sin offering the grain offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offerings to make atonement for the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord God, in the first month, on the first day of the month, you shall take a young bull without blemish and cleanse the sanctuary. The priest shall take some of the blood of the sin offering and put it on the doorpost of the temple, on the four corners of the ledge of the altar, and on the gateposts of the gate of the inner court. And so you shall on the seventh day of the month for everyone who has sinned unintentionally or in ignorance. Thus you shall make atonement for the temple. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, you shall observe the Passover, the feast of seven days. Unleavened bread shall be eaten. And on that day, the prince shall prepare for himself. All right. And on that day, the prince shall prepare for himself and all the people of the land a bull for the sin offering. On the seventh day, on the seven days of the feast, he shall prepare a burnt offering to the Lord, seven bulls and seven rams without blemish, daily for seven days, and a kid of the goats daily for a sin offering. Hmm. And he shall prepare a grain offering of one ephah for each bull and one ephah for each ram, together with a hen of oil for each ephah. In the seventeenth month, on the fifteenth day of the month, at the feast, he shall do likewise for seven days according to the sin offering, the burnt offering, the grain offering, and the oil. Chapter 46. Thus says the Lord God, the gateway of the inner court that faces toward the east shall be shut. Shall be shut the six working days, but on the Sabbath it shall be opened, and on the day of the new moon it shall be opened. The prince shall enter the way of the vestibule of the gateway from the outside and stand by the doorpost. The priest shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offerings. He shall worship at the threshold of the gate. Then he shall go out, but the gate shall not be shut until evening. Likewise, the people of the land shall worship at the entrance of the gateway before the Lord on the Sabbath and the new moons. The burnt offering that the prince offers to the Lord on the Sabbath shall be six lambs without blemish and a ram without blemish. And the grain offering shall be one ephah for a ram and the grain offering for the lambs as much as he wants to give as well as a hen of oil with each or with every ephah. On the day of the new moon, it shall be a young bull without blemish, six rams and a ram, sorry, six lambs and a ram. They shall be without blemish. He shall prepare a grain offering of an ephah for a bull, an ephah for a ram, as much as he wants to give for the lambs, and a hen of oil for each ephah. When the prince enters, he shall go in by the way of the vestibule in the gateway and go out the same way. But when the people of the land come to the Lord on the appointed day feast, whoever enters by the way of the north gate to worship shall go out by the way of the south gate. Whoever enters by the way of the south gate shall go out by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by the way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out through the opposite gate. The prince shall then be in their midst and they shall go in and he shall go in. And they go out, he shall go out. At the feast, at, sorry, at the festivals and the appointed feast, the grain offering shall be an ephah for a bull, an ephah for a ram, as much as he wants to give for the lambs, and a hen of oil with every ephah. Now, when the prince makes a voluntary burnt offering or a voluntary peace offering to the Lord, 
the gate that faces toward the east shall then be opened for them. And he shall prepare his burnt offering and his peace offering as he did on the Sabbath day. Then he shall go out. After he goes out, the gate shall be shut. You shall shut daily. Sorry. Verse 13. You shall daily make a burnt offering to the Lord of a lamb of the first year without blemish. You shall prepare it every morning and you shall prepare a grain offering with it every morning. A sixth of an ephah and a third of a hen of oil to moisten the fine flour. This grain offering shall be a perpetual ordinance to be made regularly to the Lord. Thus they shall prepare the lamb, the grain offering, and the oil as burnt offering every morning. Verse 16, thus says the Lord God, if the prince gives a gift of some of his inheritance to any of his sons, it shall belong to his sons. It is their possession by inheritance. But if he gives a gift of some of his inheritance to one of his servants, it shall be his until the year of liberty, after which he shall return it to the prince. But his inheritance shall belong to his sons. It, it shall become theirs. Moreover, the prince shall not take any of the people's inheritance by evicting them from their property. He shall provide an inheritance for his sons from his own property, so that none of my people may be scattered from his property. Now, he brought me through the entrance, which was at the side of the gate, into the holy chambers of the priests, which faced toward the north. And there a place was situated at their extreme western end. And he said to me, this is the place where the priest shall boil the trespass offering and the sin offering and where they shall bake the grain offering so that they do not bring them out into the inner court to sanctify the people. Then he brought me out into the outer court and caused me to pass by the four corners of the court. And in fact, in every corner of the court, there was another court. In the four corners of the court were enclosed courts. And the corners were the same size. There was a row of building stones all around in them. All around the four of them and cooking hearths were made under the rows of the stones all around. And he said to me, these are the kitchens where the ministers of the temple shall boil the sacrifices of the people. Chapter 47. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the front of the temple faced east, and the water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around to the outside of the outer gate that faces east. And there, were, there was water running on the right side. And when, the, and when the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, and he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters... And water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. And the waters came up to my knees. And again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000. And it was a river that I could not cross. Hmm. For the water was too deep. Water in it, which, must, which one must swim. A river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned there along with, sorry, and when I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters into the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. Hmm. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live. There will be a great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed. And everything will live wherever the river goes. And it shall be that fishermen will stand by it from Engedi to En Eglaim. They will be places for spreading their nets. Their fish will be of the same kinds as the fish of the great sea, exceedingly many. But its swamps and marshes will not be healed. They will not be given over to salt. Along the bank of the river, on this side and that, 
will grow all kinds of trees used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit, sorry, their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. Thus says the Lord God, these are the borders by which you shall divide the land as an inheritance among the 12 tribes of Israel. Joseph shall have two portions. You shall inherit it equally with one another, for I raise my hand in an oath to give it to your fathers, and this land shall fall to you as your inheritance. This shall be the border of the land in the north, from the great sea by the land of Hethlon, as one of Zedad, Hamath, Berothah, Sibraim, which is between the border of Damascus and Hamath, to Hazar Hatakan, which is on the border of Huron. Thus, the boundary shall be from the sea to Ezer Anan, the border of Damascus. And as for the north, northward, it is the border of Hamath. This is the north side. On the east side, you shall mark out the border from between Haran and Damascus and between Gilead and the land of Israel along the Jordan and along the eastern side of the sea. This is the east side. On the south side, toward the south, shall be the Tamar to the waters of Meribah and Kadesh along the brook of the great sea. This is the south side toward the south. On the west side shall be the great sea from the southern boundary until one that comes to the point of Hamath. This is the west side. Thus you shall divide this land among yourselves according to the tribes of Israel that you shall divide it by lot as an inheritance for yourselves and for the strangers who dwell among you, who bear children among you. They shall be to you as native-born among the children of Israel. They shall have an inheritance with you among the tribe of Israel. And it shall be that whatever tribe the stranger dwells, there you shall give him an inheritance. Chapter 48. Now these are the names of the tribes from the northern border. So far, for the northern... Let me read that one more time. Chapter 48. For these are the names of the tribes. From the northern border, along the road of Hethlon, at the entrance of Hamath, to Esar Anan, the border of Damascus, northward, in the direction of Hamath, there shall be one section for Dan, from the east side to the west side, by the border of Dan, from the east side to the west side, one section for Asher. Border By the border of Asher, from the east side to the west, one section for Naphtali. By the border of Naphtali, from the east side to the west side, one section for Manasseh. By the border of Manasseh, from the east side to the west, one section for Ephraim. By the border of Ephraim, for the, from the east side to the west, one section for Reuben. By the border of Reuben, from the east side to the west, one section for Judah. By the border of Judah, from the east side to the west, shall be the district with which you shall set apart 25,000 cubits in width and in length the same ones as the other portions from the east side to the west with the sanctuary in the center. The district that you shall set apart for the Lord shall be 25,000 cubits and 10,000 in length and 10,000 in width to these, to the priests, to the priests, the holy district shall belong on the north, 25,000 cubits in length, the west, 10,000 in width, on the east, 10,000 in width, and on the south, 25,000 in width. The sanctuary of the Lord shall be in the center. It shall be for the priests, the sons of Zadok, who are sanctified, who have kept my charge, who did not go astray when the children of Israel went astray, as the Levites went astray. And this district of the land that is set apart shall be to them a thing most holy by the border of the Levites. Opposite the border of the priest, the Levites shall have an area 25,000 cubits in length and 10,000 cubits in width. Its entire length shall be 25,000 and its width 10,000, and they shall not sell nor exchange any of it. They shall not alienate this best part of the land, for it is holy to the Lord. The 5,000 cubits in width that remain along the edge of the 25,000 shall be for general use by the city, for the dwellings in the common land. And the city shall be 
in its center. These shall be, sorry, these shall be its measurements. The north side, 4,500 cubits. On the south side, 4,500 cubits. On the, on the east side, 4,500. And on the west side, 4,500. The common land of the city shall be to the north, 250 cubits. To the south, 250. To the east, 250. And to the west, 250. The rest of its length alongside the district of the holy section shall be 10,000 cubits to the east and 10,000 to the west. It shall be adjacent to the district of the holy section and its produce shall be a flood. Sorry, a flood. Goodness gracious. And its produce shall be food <laughs> for the workers of the city. The workers of the city from all the tribes of Israel shall cultivate it. The entire district shall be 25,000 cubits by 25,000 cubits four square. You shall set apart the holy city with property of the city. The rest shall belong to the prince on one side and on the other of the holy district and the city's property next to the 25,000 cubits and the holy district as far as the eastern border, the western next to the 25,000 as far as the western border. Adjacent to the tribal portions, it shall belong to the priests and it shall be a holy district and a sanctuary of the temple shall be in the center. Moreover, apart from the possession of the Levites and the possession of the city, which are in the midst of what belongs to the priests, the area between the border of Judah and the border of Benjamin shall belong to the prince. As for the rest of the tribes, from the east side to the, to the west, Benjamin shall have one section. By the border of Benjamin, from the east side to the west, Simeon shall have one section. By the border of Simeon, on the east side to the west, Issachar shall have one section. By the border of Issachar, from, east, from the east side to the west, Zebulon shall have one section. By the border of Zebulon, from the east side to the west, Gad shall have one section. By the border of Gad, on the south side toward the south, the border shall be from Tamar, or Tamar, to the waters of Meribah, by Kadesh, along the brook, to the great sea. This is the land which you shall divide by lot as an inheritance among the tribes of Israel, and these are their portions, says the Lord God. These are the exits of the city. On the north side, measuring 4,500 cubits, the gates of the city shall be named after the tribes of Israel. The three gates northward, one for Reuben, one gate for Judah, one gate for Levi. On the east side of the 4,000 cubits, three gates, one gate for Joseph, one gate for Benjamin, one gate for Dan. On the south side, measuring 4,000 500 cubits, three gates, <clears throat> three gates, one gate for Simeon, one gate for Issachar, and one gate for Zebulon. On the west side, 4,500 cubits with their three gates, one gate for Gad, one gate for Asher, one gate for Naphtali. All the way around shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that day shall be the Lord is there. The Lord is there. <clears throat> the Lord is there. Um, congratulations, family. You just finished Ezekiel. If you've been with us from the beginning of the book of Ezekiel, you have now read through the book of Ezekiel. Some of you are the OGs in the game. You guys have been with me since we read through the New Testament. And then we said, you know what? Let's just read through the Old Testament. That's what we've done. And we've turned it into a whole podcast where you can just come here, join us, read with us. And then we do what's called a rant. But we just spend a few moments to reflect on the scriptures. Um, and really, it's, it's not a Bible study. As I said to you guys before, Bible study, we do that on Wednesday. So join me Wednesday night. We do that on Wednesday nights on Discord, Opus Free on Discord. I want to encourage you to join me for a Bible study on Discord. However, we have journeyed through the whole scriptures. And I, I think what's most encouraging for me 
is to see how this has profoundly transformed uh, many of you. We have been slow cooking this thing, Cherie. That's right. We've just been spending, what, 20 minutes, 20 minutes a day, 25 minutes a day, just to show you, hey, guys, if you just commit that, half a Netflix episode, y'all, like really, like half a Netflix episode can change everything for you. Um, and so I, I want to encourage you guys, continue to commit to that because, again, the word is life. The word is food. Jeremiah says, the um, words came and I ate them and they were the joy and rejoicing of my heart, my soul, my mind. Eat the word. Eat the word. Um, don't look at it as simply an intellectual thing, but look at it as food for your soul. And so every morning when we read, we read to get our food. What is our food today? What is our nourishment today? And we wash it down with the Spirit, <laughs> right? We, we let the Spirit of God help us in our understanding of the Word. Have a Netflix episode, fam. That's it. Have a Netflix episode and you can get through a lot of Word. And so, and these were with breaks and sabbaticals and all kinds of things. If we actually committed to doing an hour a day, I want to say that and then we're done. If we committed to just reading for an hour a day, of course, I can't commit that right now and do rants. But if we commit to an hour a day, we would get through the whole Bible in months, the entire Bible, just for an hour a day. You heard, uh, I heard one of your samples on Way Radio. For real? Hit me up. That's cool. Uh, that's kind of crazy. Uh, but that's really, really cool. Anyway, I have thoughts. And I'm going to just share a few of them before we, we head out. And as you know, it's only, I'm only going to spend about 10, 15 minutes. But I do want to close out on this because this is, if there's anything, you should leave reading Ezekiel encouraged. You might have started off going, man, this is tough. But you're going to get on the other side of this and say, man, this, 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 is, this, is, this, is, this didn't end the way that it started. That's what I love about God is the God we serve is a God of new beginnings. When, when God says, behold, I will do a new thing. He's always doing a new thing. God is in the business of renewal and restoration. We've been talking about this. And so if there's any big theme, any prevailing thought that you're going to get from your time in reading this book, is to see how God is establishing something new, how God is restoring things. And notice that from the beginning, as we have been reading through Ezekiel, it didn't look good because, again, mankind was about his power. Mankind was about his influence. Mankind, we're talking about Israel. We're talking about Egypt. We're talking about um, um, all the other Canaanite nations, the neighboring nations, the North African nations. We see these nations all contesting with one another. We, 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 we saw the history here in 1 Kings and in 2 Kings and in 1 Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. We saw a, a, a fraught history, a, a history of a people who had no peace, back and forth, bickering, back and forth, battling, back and forth, battling for territory, battling for power, battling for influence. Israel, of course, who was actually placed there as a as as a medium of peace, as a mediator of peace, as one to establish God's justice and righteousness. Israel's become the nations that are around them. And so Israel falls into the same consequence as they have. And so we see all this back and forth, all this battling one with another. And so and then we finally get to this point where Israel has been destroyed. The people of Israel have experienced the greatest of all traumas. They don't even have their land. Babylon comes, takes over the land. Jerusalem has fallen. 
The entire nation is in shambles, wiped out. And for Israel, they've got to be looking at this going, this isn't what we imagined this was supposed to be. And imagine the hope that these people had from the beginning. The children of Israel, imagine the the, the aspirations of Israel from the beginning. Imagine the moment of their victory when God had given them the land in the book of Joshua. May we forgot that when God gave them this land, the land that was returned back to them, Israel had just left bondage, left Egypt, left slavery, and now coming back to this land, the land that was given to them from Abraham to Isaac to Israel to now his children who were in Egypt and now have crossed over and now they're in this land. And what did they do? They divided the land. They organized the land. The tribe of Dan, which is really the family of Dan, the the family of Naphtali, the, the family of Simeon had all been given the land. The only distinction was the Levites. The family of Levi was set aside to be the, the, the tribe of priests. And so they didn't have any land. All they were were administrators of the common lands. And they had set common lands in the land as places of refuge, places of legal refuge, social refuge, but also economic refuge. This is what Israel, Jacob is Israel. That's correct, Sheree. So Israel has been now divided into and organized into different territories that were given to them. Israel was hopeful. They had this land and this land was given to them. And then in Judges, Israel did what was right in their own eyes. And what what happened? There was no king in Israel. And in the end, Israel fell apart. God wanted to be the king in their hearts but they just wanted a king that fit whatever their heart desired. I think it's the travesty that that in the ending of the book of Judges that we spoke about before, when it says that there was no king of Israel, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This is what happens when everybody does what is right in your own eyes. This is what happens when everybody lives their own truth. You can't live your own truth without affecting pain on someone else. Your own truth influences and affects others. And the problem is, is that we all want to live our own truth, not realizing that when we live our own truth, what we're choosing is to be our own gods. And when we choose to be our own gods, what we end up doing is we end up preserving our posture and our position And we don't get to do that without affecting someone else. You don't get to live your own truth. Because truth is not just an idea. Truth is a person. You don't get to live your own. But this is what Israel did. Israel lived their own truth. There was no king in Israel. Stay with me, fam, because this is... I'm trying to work to get to get done on time. So stay with me real quick, fam. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. This is what it looks like when Israel has no king. This is what it looks like when our nation has no king. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. We can juxtapose our present reality and we can take those words and just paste it right onto today's moment. There was no king in America. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There was no king in the churches, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There was no king in our government. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. There was no king. The problem is, is that everyone wants to do what is right in their own eyes. 
They don't care to know the truth. They want to just live their own truth. Hmm. Help me, Lord. (laughs) Because now we saw what happened when there was a king. God wanted to be their king. As a matter of fact, their asking for a king was an offense to God. They wanting a king was an offense to God. We want a king. Of course you want a king because you want someone to rule you rather than to let the Lord rule your heart. You want to be ruled and governed by a person rather than to be ruled and governed by the heart of God. And so now we fast forward. Israel got a king and none of those kings were the kings. We saw it. We, we read this already. None of those kings were the kings. These kings have all, um, they, they've, they've, they've desecrated the temple. These kings have, have abused and manipulated people. These kings had fallen short of the kingdom that God intended. I'm only saying this to you because what happens when everyone does what is right in his own eyes? What happens when even the kings do what is right in their own eyes? The kingdom falls apart. What we saw was what Israel aspired to be. In the moment of victory, when Israel was given the land. So easy for us to submit in the moment of victory. It's harder for us to persevere. Anybody anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's easy for us to do right in our moment of salvation. It's hard for us to persevere the months, the years, the decades later. The same Spirit of God that gave you life has to be the same Spirit of God that has to sustain you. And for many of us, we're still trusting our own power and our own ability to live out what God has accomplished for us, not realizing we have no power in living it out. We need the Spirit of God to help us. We need the Spirit of God to help us. We cannot continue on without His Spirit. Fast forward, because I ain't got time. I just want to sit you here for a moment, because Israel has not is not the nation. Judges showed us that. They had the land. They divided the land. Judges showed us they couldn't sustain. Then they got a king. That wasn't good enough. Are y'all hearing me? So we see now land was given to them. The land was organized and divided. This should be a flashback for some of you who, who've been journeying with me through the read and rant. This should be a flashback because you saw this already. We've seen this before. We saw this in Joshua and Judges. We've seen how the land was divided for tribe from tribe to tribe. We've seen how um, um, cities of refuge were established. Cities set aside as holy for the priests. We've we, 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 we seen all this before. This isn't new. We've seen this before. Huh. Interesting. That what happened when Israel was living their own truth, doing what was right in their own eyes, that Israel fell apart and gave in to the power and the influence of Egypt, Babylon, And now Chaldean influence has taken over. Israel has been destroyed. Jerusalem has been destroyed. All of it has been destroyed because in the end, even when they had no king, there was no king. Even when one was a royal presence, there was no priestly presence. By this point, the priests had already succumbed to the pressures of the cultures around them. By this point, the priests who were supposed to set aside the temple as holy were the same priests now who were practicing all the worship of the, the worship of the pagan gods. 
desecrated the temple of God. The same priests who were supposed to be the mediators for God are the same priests now who are participating with these people in idolatry. There was no king, there was no prince, and now the entire thing has fallen apart. Jerusalem has fallen. We begin with Ezekiel, and I'm going to close in a moment. I just want you to see where I'm going with this, fam. We begin in Ezekiel with a vision from Ezekiel. Sorry, with a vision of God, a vision of a messianic figure sitting on these, this, this platform that's on wheels. We, we saw that in the revelation a few chapters later, I believe in chapter six was, is that this was representative of the presence of God leaving the temple and meeting him there by the river, Shabar. Pay very close attention to what I'm saying here. God left Israel. And now God has met Ezekiel in Babylon. God has left Israel, and now God meets Ezekiel in exile. God wasn't present in the temple. He wasn't present in the land. And the absence of his presence caused all the calamity that you saw. God cannot be present where no one will allow him in. And these people were not allowed in, and God does not have room for you to worship another God in him. And so now, because these people have completely compromised their faith, God is finding presence in a remnant. We've talked about this already. God's not there anymore. There's a lot of churches that God's not there anymore. There's a lot of churches, it's about politics. There's plenty of churches where it's about race. Plenty of churches where it's about your cultural identity. Plenty of churches where it's about cultural posturing and positioning. Plenty of churches where there's worship happening. Happens to be that they're worshiping the idols of the time rather than living a life of submission. I've said this before. Let me say this again. If you're still waiting to go to a temple or a church to worship, fam, you got it all wrong. You know the word worship in the scriptures is the same word for the word work? You know the word worship in the scriptures is the same word for the, the living out and the doing and the activity of representing God and acknowledging him in all things? You know, the problem is for many people is they think that they can compartmentalize their worship. Oh, I'm just going to just do my thing. And then for one hour a day or sorry, one hour a week, I'm going to show up to a temple and I'm going to sing a couple songs and get a little bit of a word and then head out. That is not worship, fam. Worship is total submission to God. It is a life in total submission. And for a lot of us, we compartmentalize God. We put God in this little corner. We put God in this little box and we pull him out when we need him. That is not worship, fam. God is not your genie that you just rub every now and then when you need something. God is a person who you were called to know and to be in relationship with. God is not here to cater to you. He's not your butler. He's not your the person who you simply make requests to and make orders to, and then that you send your tips to, because a lot of us treat our tithes like they're tips. I'm going to tip God when I feel like God is doing what I want him to do. I'm going to give when I feel like God is doing something. We have created a transactional relationship with God instead of a life-giving, submissive relationship with God. I'm sorry if I ran for a second, but this is so critically important because for many of us, some of us, we are still doing the religious thing. We're checking off the boxes, but we don't actually get to know the person. We don't get to know the person. 
Some of us don't even know. Even now, there are those of us who don't even know that God is not there. God is not there. Oh, it looks like he's there. There's a stage. There's all this stuff. It looks like he's there. But God is not there. You can build buildings. You can build sanctuaries. You can build all that. God is not there. Funny thing is, over time, we begin to see the stage fall apart. Over time, the temple falls apart. Over time, everything crumbles. And I, I know this is going to sound real tough. And people have been talking about the decline of the church in America. Oh, the church is declining. No, it's not. People talk about how the church in America is declining. It's not. The institutional churches, the institution of churches, how can a church decline when the church has been dead? Like, how can a church decline when the church hasn't even been in Christ? Like, to decline means you had to have been somewhere. You, oh, that's right. Oh, it's the institution of church that's declined. Not the church. When people say the church has declined, ch- when people say that the church has declined, what are they actually talking about? Oh, are you talking about there's a decline in attendance? Okay. Oh, oh, a decline in, in giving and donations? Okay, yeah, sure, that's in decline. Are you talking about a decline in, I don't know, you, you can come up with any metric. When, the, when people talk about the church is in decline, I ask them this question. What is the church? What is the church? The church is not in decline, fam. The church is not in decline. The institution that we call the church is in decline. The buildings are closing. The business of church is in decline, but the church isn't in decline. As a matter of fact, how can the church be in decline if God hasn't been in it? How can the church be in decline if God hasn't been there? How about maybe God has been absent and finally the church, that institution that isn't being held up by anything other than culture, other than politics, other than power, other than um, ethnicity, other than whatever you may call it. How about it may be that that is what's in decline, but not the church. I'll submit this to you. The church is growing. (laughs) The church continues to grow. The church never grows. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Church isn't in decline, family. Maybe it's that our institution has been declined and maybe the institution fell apart because the institution didn't have the presence of God in it. Where are you going with this, Pastor? I'm about to close. I'm about to close. (laughs) Jerusalem has crumbled because God had left. Jerusalem fell apart because God isn't there. And now as we close the book of Ezekiel, mm, I'm getting ready to close. No, I won't do that today. It's too early for that. Way too early for that. We see now that all of it's been torn down, Ezekiel's been given a plan in the vision. In the vision will be a temple. And this temple will be more elaborate. In this vision, there's going to be a temple. And in this temple, there will be priests. But notice who makes the sacrifices for the people. It's a prince. It used to be a priest. Now it's a prince. It looks like there's royalty now. The son of a king. Huh. It's the prince now that that will provide the sacrifices for the people. 
the priests will simply boil the sacrifices that the princes, that the prince has made. The prince performs the sacrifice, the priest boils the sacrifice. The prince receives all the offerings and the priests then administer the offerings. The priests actually don't receive the offerings anymore. The priests administer. And then we see how the land is being divided now. This is a kingdom, but it's a different kind of kingdom. Ezekiel is pointing to a whole different kind of kingdom family. Now, just stay with me just for, just for a couple minutes. We don't get to do a Bible study on this, but I just want you to see that this is different. This is different because now we see that he's talking about the keeping of the feast again, reminders of God's grace and God's presence and God's glory. And now there's a reinstitution of these, these sacrificial practices. There's an institution, and then he speaks about the manner of worship, the things that they're going to do and the activities that they will do regularly. And then he talks about how the land is going to be separated. And then he talks about the inheritance. There's something about the inheritance that the prince gives it to the people who work, whoever he chooses to give it. And then after a period of time, then they receive the the inheritance is then given back to the heirs, the rightful heirs of the prince. Stay with me for a second. Then the offerings were prepared, and then the offerings would be cooked by the priest. The priest would just do the cooking. The sacrificing was done by the prince now. This is going to be a different time and a different era. This is going to be a different kingdom, a different way that this is going to be ruled. And there will be healing waters that will come from this land. And this water will flow through everybody. It will flow through all nations. And then he talks about the divisions of the land and how the borders of the land. Notice that the land will be divided, but notice that even the strangers who dwell among you and who bear children will be considered to be native born. Ooh, so now this is going to be different because it's not just going to be about ethnicity now. It's going to be about posture. And so in verse 21, we see that in chapter 47, verse 21, that this is going to be a new nation, that even though it's going to be divided in a way that you've seen before, there's one thing that's going to be different about this nation. There's one thing that's going to be different about this land. The last verse. The Lord is there. Yahweh Shama. The Lord is there. After all this is going to be built, after all this is going to be done, after all this will be restored, the best part of it is, is that the Lord is there. If there's anything that Ezekiel is aspiring for, it's not a city with beautiful buildings and beautiful people. If there's anything that Ezekiel is aspiring for, it's not a city that just has beautiful structures and has a great name to itself, with beautiful streets. If there's anything that Ezekiel is aspiring for, it's the presence of God. He wants the presence of God. And what God is promising to him is, I'm going to build a city, but more importantly, I'm going to be in the city. May that be our desire today, family. May our desire be not just to, just to have beautiful houses. Our desire today, fam, can't just be, I want a beautiful family a beautiful house, lots of money. Yeah, those are all good things, but our desire shouldn't be that we just have a beautiful city, live in a beautiful town, be around beautiful people. Our desire has to be, may the Lord be there. Like I want God to be in it. I don't want any of it if God's not in it. I don't want to be in any of this if God's not in it. What's the point of being around beautiful things when you aren't around the source of all that is beautiful? Fam, let's pray for God to be in it because when God is in it, it becomes beautiful anyway. Did you hear what I said? The lesson here today is if God is in it, it becomes beautiful. I'm sorry if it took me a long time to get here. You know, I rant a lot. But if God is in it, 
then it's going to be beautiful. That's what Ezekiel is showing here. That's what Ezekiel is revealing. This is the lesson, fam. This is the part we miss. And I'm trying to make it as simple. I'm making Ezekiel as simple as I can for y'all. As I can, this is about as simple as I can get it today. Okay. I know sometimes y'all know my Bible studies begin intense and kind of crazy and we work through stuff and maybe sometimes our brains hurt sometimes. Let's just, let's just break it down. We ain't going to hurt no brains today. We want to make it so simple that even our children will understand it. At the beginning of Ezekiel, we saw what the world looked like when God wasn't there. At the end of Ezekiel, we saw what the world's going to become when God is there. Anything that God is in becomes beautiful. And beauty disappears when God is absent. So let us pray that God be in everything. This is an aspiration of Ezekiel. He said the Lord is there. But can we pray for the Lord to be here? Each and every one of you, can you pray for the Lord to be here? That's my prayer today. God, be in everything, in my marriage, in my ministry, in my family, in my home. Because if God is in it, it will be beautiful. Father, I thank you, Lord, as you as we close out our time today. Lord, yeah, we... We enjoy the time together as we read the word, but man, do we enjoy you and what you have to reveal. Father, if there's anything that we're exposed with today is that we need your presence, your life-giving presence, the presence that makes all things beautiful, the presence that brings the fullness of joy. We need your presence, God. This is my prayer today. Let us experience your presence today. In your presence is fullness of joy. Father, let us experience your presence, God. Be in everything. Be in our homes. Be in our families. Be in our marriages. Be in everything, Lord God. That we may experience the fullness of joy. For we know that all things that are beautiful are birthed out of your presence. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Family, I love y'all. Pray that the Lord be in everything today. Everything, yo. Everything. See you guys tomorrow. We're going to keep doing the reading rant. We're here every morning, 7.30 to 8.30. Sometimes we go over because I'm a ranter and that's what ranters do. But I just pray that you guys will continue to join us as we spend time in the reading of his word. Join our Discord community. I love my Discord fam. You guys are lit up in here. Oh my gosh. Um, I want to comment to all of y'all, but you guys are lit. And I love Discord because not only do you get to connect with me, but you get to connect with everybody who's connecting with me. We got, all get to be connected together. So I love, I love my Discord community. I just started it, guys. And it is, I don't know why I haven't gone on here. Like, I'm, I'm late. I am so late to this thing. But even when we get off the read and rant, I get to stay on Discord and, and hang out with you guys and see the chat and see how you guys are encouraging each other, praying for each other. I see even Laura, you're asking for prayer. Ask for prayer on Discord. Honestly, I love that we have more and more people who are filled with the Spirit of God who want to contribute and want to pray for others and help others. And so it's a great family there. Uh, connect with us there. And also prayerfully consider subscribing on Patreon. Um, we have not, we haven't to this point met our goal. Um, but I'm faithful and I'm hopeful because I believe that God is doing something through this. I, as I've said this before, whether or not you guys support, I'm going to continue doing this. I did this. Um, I, I do this on the regular and I did this way before I had gotten any support from you guys and I will keep doing it. So don't think that I need this to continue to support, but doing this changes a lot of things. Doing this makes it more possible for me to have Bible studies. That's why I can do Bible study every Wednesday now. Um, Doing this opens doors for us to do even more. And so I want to encourage you guys to support or subscribe, anything to support what we do because your support makes all this possible. 
if we do Bible studies because of the support of the patrons that give me the opportunity to be able to do that. Um, and so I'm grateful for all of you. I'm grateful for your support. Love you all. Um, we are just getting started, y'all. We are just getting started. Evelyn, you were there in his car. Yeah, I, I listen, if I have to end up going back to work, <laughs> and I said this, if I have to go back to teaching again, and if I have to go back to work, I have no problem doing that. I'm still going to do the reading rant. I might not do it here. Um, I may end up doing it in the car like I used to do it. <laughs> I may end up doing it in the car like I used to do it, but I won't stop doing this, okay? If I have to do it at a different time, I'll do it at a different time. I won't stop doing the reading rant because I have just a passion to see you guys um, encounter the word and to experience the word. And so I love you guys very, very much. Thank you for your support. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for posting. Thank you for sharing. I, I don't say that enough, guys. If you, some of you guys are like, hey, I wish I could give and support, but I can't. So they say, oh, it's only 10 bucks a month. It's not a big deal. It is a huge deal. It's a daily encouragement to uh, Vanessa and I about the work that we do. Um, and so don't think it's not a big deal. It is a huge deal. Okay. Um, and for those of you, some of you guys are making huge sacrifices. And I'll say that there are those of you, you know, the $10 a month is not easy for you. And so I'm grateful for you guys for, for, for doing it. Hey, Isaac and friends, what's good, Josh, what's happening, man. Um, and I, I thank the Lord every day for you guys. And so anyway, love you guys, but definitely join our discord. Okay. That's free. Okay. Read and rent is free. All right. Even the Bible study, we'll do Bible study. And then afterwards, I mean, I do the chat with the patrons. And I'm planning on doing some Zoom meetings with the patrons as well. So get ready for that, patrons. We're going to be doing some video chats as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but other than that, y'all, um, you know, let's just stay connected. Okay? Let's stay connected. Okay? And um, thank you so much for the badges and the gifts and all that. I just want to say that um, I'm going into another rant when I have to get going. But I love y'all. All right? God bless you guys. Peace out.